the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control. This is A State of Control, episode number six, recorded Monday, August 19th, 2013. The One Ring. This is A State of Control, the podcast about the control and automation uh, segment of the AV industry. Uh, thank you for uh, listening or for downloading or for streaming or whatever it is you're doing. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Uh, with us, as always, is Steve Greenblatt. Steve is the chief everything at Control Concepts. He's also the executive producer and the fine, uh, let's just call you, yeah, you, you're the you're the chief muckety-muck of this too. So how are you, sir? Okay, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Steve just got a promotion. Glad to be so important. And you got 10, t- t- you, your, your salary has just tripled. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Three times nothing is nothing. Uh, <laughs> uh, also with us is, we're going to refer to him as Uncle Richie because we have another Richard on the show. Uncle Richie Fergoza from Fergoza Design. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Back-to-back days. It's uh, the Uncle Richie uh, social media doubleheader. Yeah. It's it's the, the AV Nation world tour with Uncle Richie. Uh, next, he'll be up talking about the uh, the the niceties of Apple with the DIY guys. So I'll, I'll show up, and then it'll be the, the Uncle Richie three-way. But um, um. and it started. All right. <laughs> uh, also with us is Chris Netto. He is from AV Help Desk. How are you, sir? Also, the fine host of the Red Band podcast and the Red Band bloggers and uh, AV Shout. You're busy. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm a busy guy, dude. How's everything? Good, good. You do still have a wife and kids, right? Yeah. Uh, last time I checked in 24 hours ago, two, I did. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, first timers, so be they're nice gonna, to them. They're, they're going to get their own bylines on the red band next. They'll be yes. <laughs> you want you you know what you, you if if you want to if you want an allowance, you got a blog for daddy. So. <laughs> um, first timers, so be nice to them, guys. No hazing. Uh, first up is <laughs> Richard Blackwell. Richard is the president and founder of Linked Two Software. How are you, sir? I'm well. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Uh, and last but certainly not least, his name is Jamie Trader. We've talked about giving him a promotion, but figured that somebody at AMX might might scream. So he is the uh, he's the director of technology resources at the good old AMX. How are you, sir? Good afternoon. Doing great. Thanks, Tim. Absolutely. Uh, so this month on the State of Control, we're going to talk about network uh, and network and enterprise solutions. The fact that the whole AVIT convergence, and I really shied away from using that word, but it's, it is what it is, right? Uh, they've been talking about convergence for, good Lord, 10, 12 years, I think, in, in the Infocom of 2000 or 2001, they had a giant uh, banner that said convergence, you know, and that was 13 years ago. So this has been coming for a long time, ever since the very first um, control manufacturer put an Ethernet drop or even an Ethernet possibility uh, as an add-on. So we've been talking about this for quite a long time in the industry. Um, I don't think that we've gotten, you know, really smart guys like this together to talk about it. So Steve, we'll kick it off with you on this. Uh, When it comes to providing connectivity for not just control systems, but all parts of the AV systems, um, this is not exactly... um, 
a an added feature anymore. This is something where if you're not doing it, you're you're being left behind. That that is true. I in, uh, Ethernet is, is you know what started off as just being web control and and uh, you know just a, a way of being able to 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 maybe have an additional. Uh, uh, part to to your system has now become infrastructure and uh, devices without ethernet ports really are are behind the times and uh, you know so so i think it's it's start it's time for us to start thinking a little differently and and uh, it's very possible down the road that that you know we'll be using the network for just about everything and and you know the the, the there'll be a lot more software solutions and, and a lot less hardware solutions Okay, so talk about that for a second, though, because we've been talking about the whole convergence thing. I was always always under the impression that it was hardware driven. So it's it's being software driven now. Well, um, you know, if the the one of the the big benefits of using the network and and Ethernet is is to be able to do uh, remote diagnostics, you know, uh, okay. to be able to do remote monitoring. And and, uh, and also, when you think about it, now you, the service that we're using now, Skype, is, you know, is an alternative to video conferencing. And, and we're seeing that a lot more in systems. So um, what, what was the, these proprietary hardware um, dedicated pieces? It now is we're seeing the replacement by you know software and cloud-based services. All right, so Uncle Richie, <laughs> this will take me a bit. Um, we were talk, we you and I have talked before on on a couple different shows about you know remotely monitoring systems and and, and looking at it from the far end. Is this one of those things whether whether it's a service contract or it's something that's built into the cost of the system, where this is not anymore just like not having a, an Ethernet connection is a possibility or even an option for manufacturers when it comes to integrators you have to have you have to have some sort of serviceable or, or service contract uh in place for your clients whether the residential or the commercial yeah I, you know i i think this is you know this is another one of those conversations where it this isn't necessarily something revolutionary it's it's evolutionary um it's keeping up with the way that the rest of the market outside of av is going uh, you know, the, no longer do you have, you know, um, you know these huge hardware investments that are being put into the enterprise necessarily. They're they're scaling to software solutions because they're easier to deploy and maintain and everything else. And we're seeing that same shift over on our side. And the beauty of that is, again, the less physical parts that you're dealing with, um, the more nimble that you can be, the more that you can support it, and you can scale and grow. What that means is that. From an AV standpoint, it, it's completely changing the view of how we used to approach things. You know, a service call used to mean a truck roll. You know, yeah. there was a relay that went. Or, and again, you know, when it, there was an IR control device or a relay control device or a motor or any of the other mechanical interfaces that we used to have, what would wind up happening is that it would still most of the time requires some form of truck roll, you know, a technician, somebody who's hands-on. Because more of the devices that we're dealing with, you know, we're just talking about streaming media, we're talking about uh, video and audio being potentially sent over the, you know, their transport layers over the networking, we're not dealing with 
physical items as much anymore. We're dealing with data. So it is just that natural evolution that if our content that we're having to control and get from point A to point B is data-based, then our control approach also should be data-based, which is diagnostic, implementation, monitoring, and and hopefully um, being proactive and spotting solutions before it. So, you know, it's 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 kind of when you when you uh, when you used to spend your you know 1999 to get your AOL account. You know, what were you buying, right? You were buying this giant server farm <laughs> somewhere, um, and you were dealing with proprietary solutions that they were kicking out to you. AV, I've always felt like I said, is about 20 years behind that curve, we've gotten away from these large, expensive physical items, and like Steve was saying, moving into software-based solutions, moving into something that is a little bit more service contracts, it's where you, you have to focus on being a software developer as opposed to a product seller. And I think that's where, especially in our segment of the industry, more and more companies are seeing that success, which is um, coming in and saying, we're, we're going to go ahead and maintain the health of this system without having to have somebody there the entire time, physically walking around and checking things. We don't need to do that anymore. You know, with high-speed internet, just for that reason alone, um, you know, if, if you've got five different facilities, we don't have to have five people out there. So we're not necessarily having to bill you for that. Instead, we can go ahead and offer our monthly, our quarterly, our yearly fee to keep everything going. And in those small instances where something might be a problem, then we can go ahead and deploy a truck, roll and move. And, and it, it's just the way that we're moving. I mean, it's, it's not even is it a good idea. It's just this is the direction that you need to go or you will no longer be uh, a player in, in your respective industry. You will no, you will no longer be viable. Um, yeah. Richard, when it comes to Richard Blackwell, when it comes to this is, uh, I, I hate using convergence and I hate using paradigm uh, because, first of all, they're overused words, but it, it seems the most appropriate terms for this. This is a paradigm shift when it comes to people, the, the people who make up the pro AV and make up commercial AV and, and residential AV. This is a paradigm shift for them because they have to change how they think, don't they? Uh, when they start de developing and, and designing systems, it is. It is. So we we began the convergence some years back, and that's probably, as you said, a just a poorly used word. Really, the convergence happened at the moment that the Ethernet port arrived on the hardware, uh, and then it became a matter of adoption. Who's going to use it, and what can you use it for? Um, as far as the people. The folks that are out there, the integrators, installers, uh, large campus environment, they've always had a need to monitor equipment in the field, but, but really their, their needs were very different. And so how they were looking at this w was really slow to take place. And the, the primary separation is, let's take a campus environment, whether it's a corporate campus or a, uh, an educational campus. Those folks are interested in, is the classroom occupied? How often is it occupied? How many people do we have in it? And, and what equipment is being used? 
on the other side of the fence, there's an integrator that, that owns that, that classroom as far as the equipment goes and the warranties and the services associated with it. They really don't care how often the room is occupied. That's of no interest to them at all. Their interest is in did a projector bulb fail and do we know about it and did we expect it or or has a DSP taken a lightning hit or a VTC system that can't connect to another classroom. They're more concerned about the equipment side, which is not so important to the campus side of the environment. So when you look at both sides of this, there is a different perspective. So yes, they're both having these shifts and it's very slow. Um, and I'd have to say that on the integration side of this, it, it continues to be slow. So when we say monitoring, hey, you should be monitoring your gear in the field because that means that you can add additional service revenue. It means that, um, as, as mentioned before by uh, Uncle Rich there, that you don't have to roll a truck if you can diagnose a problem remotely and either uh, retrain the customer, which happens more often than not, uh, and or determine that there was some embedded bug that no one found before and, and make a tweak. Um, and then the third scenario is that equipment has failed. And so you knew about that equipment perhaps before the customer did, and you've got a truck rolling. So that boardroom meeting that was scheduled for 9 a.m. Monday morning and the big storm came through Friday afternoon, you knew right away the equipment failed and you've got a truck with new stuff in it. And now you're the hero showing up with equipment uh, replacements instead of the uh, the villain because this stuff broke mm -hmm. well that 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 well that assumes an awful lot uh, of integration not to use another word but a, a lot of connectivity between you and the client on on the long term doesn't it because I mean here's the thing there's there are some integrators that once they hand the keys over to the system, they don't hear from those clients ever again. Right, right. And, and unfortunately, in today's business world, as more and more equipment becomes a commodity, and you're, you're not really making profits on those LCD screens that are being installed or projectors. You're making profit on your time on site, on your installation time, uh, a few points here and there on equipment. But the real money is to be made in the service revenue afterwards. And, and that says, hey, we promise that uh, we're going to build an extra good system for you and we're going to stand behind it for the first year. But if you want 24-hour turnaround, perhaps, then we can add that to you as well. And I remember being an integrator years ago and when we had 24-hour policies that came across my desk, I always got butterflies and went, oh, gosh, it, it's, <laughs> it's a crapshoot here. Will we actually be able to meet this or not? And at that time, Ethernet was just coming around, and how do we connect to these things? Yeah. Um, the real challenge is, is that uh, integrators in the field, the manufacturers have stepped up. They've put the, put the uh, equipment, added the Ethernet connections, and added the, uh, the remote connection capabilities to the products. Uh, but the integrators are not yet uh, embracing the monitoring and remote management capabilities and it's it's free money so I see it being slow on that side and so yes the adoption the paradigm shift is not happening on the integration side as quickly as it is on the campus side 
Well, and Chris, uh, Chris, I know from from AV Help Desk, you you can talk about this because you used to be, oh, you still are. You're you're a you're a site tech as well as being a designer and a, and a consultant. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, AV Help Desk is you know you you are most of the time you're on site uh, with yes. various clients. So talk about that with you know how 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 would you say you know integrators, I guess even breach that that subject. Well, it's it's. It's tough to say. Um, well, actually, it's not tough to say. It's very easy to put out there. Um, as a former site guy, I wanted remote monitoring that everybody's talking about. Um, it's easier said than done or implemented in the case of a, of a technology manager. You want it there for the diagnostics and for the tools to see that, like Richard said, you know, that a DSP has kicked the bucket or that the uh, system needs to be rebooted and stuff like that. Um, there's an, there is a need for us to know that the, as a site person, that the room is being occupied because we were generating metrics off that as well. Mm -hmm. We were trying to push, uh, at, at a couple, um, at one site that I was working at for a bunch of years, we were trying to implement, uh, room monitoring as a way to, um, uh, build up a case for room modifications. You know, if a room is being used, if it's a heavily type of room, if a heavily used type room, like video conference room, an integrated uh, 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 video conference and presentation, something that does double duty, we want to get those, to capture those metrics. What is it being used most for? Uh, because then that would help us plan our budgets out for the for the next year and then so on and so forth. So, for the on-site guys, yes, this was the you know the the whole integration part of it and the remote management metrics was very important for us but there's the piece that a you know that the remote management brings to it which is um, generating tickets you know uh, knowing that hey listen you know it's time for your uh, for a monthly maintenance in the room mm -hmm. go double check these things it worked as a reminder system and a way to deploy technicians uh, the site technicians, at least that I worked with, we basically looked at ourselves as our own little company within a company. You know, we had to have a stock of stuff. We had to have um, uh, inventory of parts to do repairs and stuff like that. Um, what those tools all did combined together was give us like that central hub where we knew this room is used a lot. This one has to be priority. This is a this type of room, this is the type of processor that's there, and we basically used it as a log to keep information on every room that's in the campus or the corporate uh, world. So it was, you know, it's, it's a, I can't say enough good things about it, but it's not for every company. Getting them to, um, to understand remote management, getting them to put it on their networks is still a very, very challenging uh, conversation with internal IT departments. Jamie, when it comes to uh, the manufacturer standpoint, how does this, how does the network, how does the cloud, uh, again, another term I don't like using, um, how does how does this whole network thing change how the, the manufacturers uh, tackle AV? I mean, does it, does it fundamentally switch or is it one of these things where, you know, eh, it's just something we can throw on? Uh, I think it's an interesting question because you look at there's there's basically four four major trends that we we monitor pretty closely and cloud and virtualization is definitely one of those market trends and when you look at it 
it's extremely obvious where collaboration is headed and where document sharing is headed. It's, it is this migration towards cloud, cloud-based uh, access to material. And, you know, it basically boils down to a comment that uh, Rich made earlier, Uncle Richie, in discussing content, content being king. You know, if you look at some of the, uh, if you look at some of the statistics, you know, I think it's uh, Cisco's internet forecast from 2012 to 2017. They're, they're, you know, they've got a trajectory for a threefold increase in internet traffic between now and, and 2017. Looking at you know, 1.4 zettabytes of internet traffic per year, and right now we're sitting at a quarter of all that internet traffic is from non-PC devices. By 2017, they're predicting that to be up to nearly 50 percent. So this. The impact of cloud means that the entire dynamic of the meeting space, of the classroom space, is 100% changing in front of us. If if there's all this uh, video out there and everything is being served and stored from the cloud, it changes the responsibility of what, or really the role of what gear has inside all these classrooms and meeting spaces. The gear is no longer about what hard devices actually sit physically in the room, but it's, what's the quickest way to access that, that cloud that's out there? Um, you know, so it's, it, it, it definitely, it definitely makes us think about what is the role of the control system and, you know, what do we need to do to give people quicker, more immediate access to their content? At the end of the day, that's all we're really doing in the first place was selling systems that enable people to walk into a room and collaborate with one another to share their information with one another, to, to talk with one another. All this hardware that we pushed in, you know, from all, all of us different manufacturers was really just to facilitate collaboration. Now if I can walk into a room and just provide connectivity for this ubiquitous mobile computing that's out there, it means that really all I need is some point of connectivity that can adapt to whatever connects in and then make sure that that room itself provides the quickest, most immediate way to virtualize that space to that meeting host or that or that teacher or whoever's walking into the space, make it their room upon walking into the into that space. So it it absolutely has a huge impact. Some of the you know the earlier discussion, um, you know, as far as the the convert your favorite word, convergence, yeah. you know, I, I think a lot of the the original fantasy or or a lot of the origin of this phrase convergence in our network really did relate to asset management, scheduling management, but that's because content was still a, a physical manifestation of people and humans in this space and bringing in their papers and bringing in, you know, uh, dedicated media into this space. And so really the only role of that Ethernet jack on the hardware was to provide management of those devices. But now there should be less and less devices in the room, which means that you know, convergence is really about content. So you guys, from from a, a manufacturer standpoint, are not just you know things to connect to the cloud, but you're also things to push things to the cloud and, and and to gather things from the cloud, and to you know so you have the asset management part also, but you've also got the ability to you know, to take content from the cloud, whether that's from you know um, an Amazon or a YouTube or a, a Hulu or what have you. But also, you know, broadcast out. I guess is the best way to put it. You know, the the state of certain things, and in the, in the you know, make sure that that things are still connected because people do use 
um, you know, the the ACNAC, are you still there type things with with projectors and such uh, to make sure for for a security standpoint. Um, so you guys are <laughs> you're you're kind of the hub, which is kind of a neat place to be. Right, right. Yeah, that's it, it's neat and it's scary. You know, well, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of focus that has to go into you know delivering the right solution there. And you know, every manufacturer is coming to market right now with you know their own version of accessing that cloud content and what type of user experience that they want to provide that differentiates themselves from every other manufacturer. Um, you know, we we just sit there and keep our eye on on a couple of trends. You know, one being video being everywhere, one being you know, mobile computing. One being, um, you know, the cloud, and then final, you know, finally, uh, green and, and sustainability trends. You know, so the green and sustainability trends. You know, you look at the difference between 2011 and 2012. You know, the the corporations that have implemented some kind of green practice between 11 and 12 was almost a doubling factor. And wow. I think that you know, the more that the more that these AV systems provide quicker, cleaner, more efficient access to that cloud content, the more that people will will finally accept these AV systems as being core to the network because they see them as core network delivery vehicles. And now, you know, then the minute that there's greater acceptance to these appliances being on the network, you know, kind of the Chris's point about not everyone's down with that yet, not everyone's yeah. accepting of it, but once they see that these devices actually are network endpoint means of, of gaining access to your material now it's on the network because they want their content now with it being on the network now there will be a greater adoption of the asset management and the resource management and the reporting and the metrics and, and all the good stuff that comes with with that original offering in the first place you know yeah it's, it's where we, we were almost gotten gone back to the begin to be that's to right, the that's right. when it comes to that uh, you are listening to State of Control. That gentleman right there is Jamie Trainer from uh, AMX. Also with us is Richard Blackwell from Linked to Software. Uncle Richie, Richie Fergoza from Fergoza Design. Chris Neto from AV Help Desk. And Mr. Steve Greenblatt from Control Concepts. Steve, this is an awful lot to take in. And if I'm an old school uh, programmer, I'm an old school audio visual guy, you know, audio video guy. Um, you know, I hooked up my first barcode to a, you know, an IBM. <laughs> ThinkPad back in 1991. Uh, how how am I going to get involved in this? And I don't I don't mean from a standpoint of you know let yay let's jump in and let's you know become you know ace programmers. But how do I stay abreast? I guess is the best way to put this because just like the IT industry and, and uh, you know Rich is is to, to Uncle Richie's point we, you know we are on a track on a, a trajectory uh, similar to the IT industry. How do existing AV professionals stay up to date with this stuff? Well, I, I it, it is kind of scary and intimidating, and I, I can't speak for all the different roles within the industry, but I know from a programmer standpoint, we, we've had exposure to this for many years. So I, I would say that we have an advantage, and uh, you know, when it first started to come upon us, it was based on the control system. And therefore, it was something that we needed to know because we needed to be able to have those conversations and be able to, to understand what it took to get a system on the network and what it took to, to maybe program or, or set up the system for remote access. Um, over the years, it, you know, between continuing education within the industry, learning as we go, and 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 just uh, learning because your feet are to the fire, you mm -hmm. you you uh, you really 
get on board pretty quickly. <laughs> and uh, and the, the key, though, uh, what I found and what I think a lot of uh, others have found is that you need to be able to talk to the IP, IT professionals because if they – they're going to hit you right off the bat with terminology and and asking you questions and try to throw you off your game to see if you're legitimate or not. And and if you can't have that conversation, they're going to discount you and it's going to be a tough road. Is so it, it is important. It's important to be able to 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 feel like you you can be eye to eye with them. Does that take something like um, you know, getting a certain either a Cisco certification or some sort of network certification? Or just re, you know reading up on it. Well, I, I'm sure it helps, but it isn't a requirement. Um, you know, there's enough uh, education within our industry, either given by the manufacturers, and, and many of them do. And and what's really nice is that if you go to manufacturer training, uh, maybe 50% of what you hear is going to be consistent. So it really starts to gel, and then you you start to get those aha moments and. And realize that, hey, you know, I'm I'm used to this now, and I, I kind of get it, and it and it 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 is this very similar, even though you might have different types of devices. But you know, between that and Infocom and Cedia, and there there's there's a lot of opportunity to learn, and and um, you know, of course, it's helpful to be able to know somebody within IT, so that when you have that oddball question, or you you really have to ask them, well, what does this really mean to me? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it it's important to have have that go-to person to know. Rich, Uncle Ricky, Uncle Richie, uh, from a, a control programmer standpoint, um, walk me through taking a, a grand view of this, right? Because um, years ago when it was just, you know, connecting to the internet and, and making sure that you could remotely monitor, that was one thing. Um, but the whole smart building thing has been floating around for a couple of years. Uh, you know, Crestron has integrated by design, you know, all this jazz last year at the Infocom 100. That was the talk, was the smart building. So when it comes to a, a programmer's job, uh, you have kind of, your, your scope has, has broadened, hadn't it? Hasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the programmer, I think, you know, a, a dedicated systems programmer, um, you know, whether a CSP, whether an ACE, you know, if, if they're a third party or if they're in the employee of the dealer, um, you know, a big thing that I've been pushing is the fact that in our industry, the focus has to be more on collaboration than competition. There, There's just so much out there that we have to deal with now. Um, you know, building control is one facet. You know, I was I was thinking earlier that you know today, you know, 20 years ago the VCR and and, and the slide deck has now been has now become, uh, you know, today's digital signage and and then now the the mobile device. I mean, we we've we've transitioned into devices that we don't even necessarily control anymore. Mm -hmm. Building management comes along that same way, where you know you're not going to be necessarily the HVAC contractor. You're not necessarily going to be um, the security and life safety systems uh, contractor. You're not going to be the elevator operator. You're not, you're, you know, there's all of these disparate fields now that from a control system standpoint, originally the only, when we started out, we were in the classroom or in the boardroom um, dealing with some very specific functions, you know, the presentation of media. Uh, you know, you were the AV guy, the, the old AV cart guy. Um, and now as these connected systems have come across, um, like Steve was talking about, you know, we're, 
we don't necessarily need to know everything <laughs> about the systems that we're controlling, but at the very least, we need to be allied with the people that do. And that's become a big part, a bigger part of the puzzle, which is how are you going to be able to exchange information? And, and that's become the commodity now. Not necessarily, you know, is this backnet controller going to be um, compatible with my control system? And are the security layers that I've got within the network on this campus going to be compatible? You know, you, you don't necessarily need to hire somebody in-house for that knowledge, but you better have the inroads to at least be able to communicate with these people and ally and team with them appropriately. And, and that's a, a, from even a control systems programmer, those are the things that you should be focusing on, which is where, where, is, where can you focus on your asset allocation rather than how about this X piece of code that we're dealing with. It, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a head-scratcher right now because I, I, it's, it's forcing people who aren't necessarily the most social to begin with, <laughs> what, what are you saying, Uncle Richie? That programmers aren't, you know, are, are, are it's you know you 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 don't find a lot of frustrated sculptors or uh, uh, you know aspiring game show hosts who decide to be programmers. I mean, there's there's some very specific traits sometimes when you decide to get into the the ones and zeros side of the business, and. It is, uh, you know, it's a matter of, you know, again, learn, learn. You can't just be a coder anymore. You, you just can't. You can't just walk in and say, I've got this done, you know, give me the piece of code and away we go. I, I think that companies that that is their focus from a business standpoint, it, it, there, there's just too, there's too many other options available to grow. And I think that with our reach as control systems programmers expanding, there needs to be the focus on expanding that skill set, which is, you know, again, you're not going to be able to do everything at once. So partnering with your manufacturers, partnering with your vendors, partnering with, you know, the network guy, the life safety guys and everything else. And it's, it's um, to me, that's kind of the bigger picture than, okay, well, you know, now, now we're going to go ahead and deal with, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of backnet. Well, you know, as more and more of these protocols are trying to find, you know, again, we're, we're trying to follow the IT industry, mm -hmm. which is we're trying to consolidate. Um, you know, the, I, I, at some point, you know, we will find that more and more of these devices are just going to say, you know, this whole proprietary idea really doesn't make a whole lot of sense when we've got an existing data framework that makes it life a whole lot easier for us. And, and what's happening is that there's, you know, dyed-in-the-wool vendors who are holding on to the very last bit until they have to switch over because they see it as a loss of their competitive advantage. Um, same thing with control systems programmers. You know, they're, they're, your competitive advantage is going to change very quickly within the next few years. And part of it is focusing less on the actual detail of what you're controlling and more about how do you get everybody playing along nicely. I mean, you're a matchmaker as a control systems programmer. That's yeah. the way that I've always viewed it. You're a matchmaker. I won't sing the song for you. So, uh, Jamie, as, as from a manufacturer standpoint, how do you get both the integrators and the, and, the, and the control programmers, as well as your end users, the people who are, as Richard said, as Uncle Richie said, you know, dyed in the wool? They're they're dedicated to you. How do you get them all on the same page when it comes to, you know, this whole you know convergence again? I hate using it, but the, this whole convergence thing. <laughs> 
And that's a that's the million dollar question, <laughs> right? Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I, I think that what we've tried to accomplish over here, kind of our perspective, is to get everybody on the same page, is to to literally bring people into the same room and share in the same dialogue of what the actual client objectives are. There there seems to be, uh, I'd say, probably at least a good decade delta in people kind of losing focus on what end users are actually trying to accomplish on a day to day basis, and we've we've kind of turned into an industry of art projects. And I think that's the biggest challenge for control system programmers and some of the misalignment between the programming entity of the integrator channel, the end user, and the manufacturer is that we, we look at each individual space as a, a function of uh, uh, an art project, a, something for us to sit down and, and build and, and get just perfect. And then we, we wipe our hands and we go, man, this is beautiful. And really what the end user uh, community is really begging for is basically just standardized approach to all of their meeting spaces and classrooms. And so it, it's a little bit of a dialogue to realign everybody back together and get folks focused back on on the objective of just human collaboration. And I think once that dialogue begins of saying, you know, what is it you're trying to accomplish when you and 15 colleagues walk into this room, um, it, it kind of removes some of the the uh, I, I would say the the variances in opinion of what needs to happen inside that space. Yeah. And once you remove those variances of opinion, then you, you get a lot more alignment. You know, you look at, we had AMX kind of, you know, we, we've done 30 years of professional services. And a number I like to throw out is we, we went back and looked over thousands and thousands and thousands of projects that we had delivered on um, as in our own professional services team. And, you know, over all that multitude of projects, we really found that all of those being unique, quote unquote, I'm throwing up the, the air quotation marks in case you couldn't hear that over the, <laughs> the Skype call. Um, you know, all of those being unique instances, we really distilled it down to we had been delivering 13 of the same room types. Some of them are called classrooms, some of them are called meeting spaces, some of them are called homes. But at the end of the day, 13 room types is what we've been delivering over and over and over again. And when you when you just kind of now that's obviously there's a lot of fringe and outlier projects oh, yeah. out there. You know, probably about fifteen percent of those are outlier projects. But when eighty five percent of everything you've been doing for same types of rooms, it really makes you stop and think: What are we doing in this space here? So I really think that the real challenge and and the real growth that the programming community is going to see and integrators are going to see is when we remove the focus from the individual space and we look at how do we deliver an entire building of consistent experiences across all those spaces? Yeah, there, there might not be as much artwork in each individual room. There might not be as much custom individualization per room. But once we get all of the usability and that experience 100% the same, that allows us to grow our services model into focusing on communication, enterprise communication. How do we get people's messages across the enterprise, the campus, across the globe? And and that's where the programming effort really gets meaty and really gets challenging and really gets rewarding. And that's a really good point is the fact that you've got all of these guys that, that it, it, the possibility is there, right? Um, yeah. the, 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 the chance is there. And, and we're going to take this to Chris and, and to Richard. Um, Chris, I, I, I don't think that there's much argument that there is the opportunity. I guess the best way to ask this then is are the integrators in 
the AV industry, are they poised to take advantage of that? That's assuming that the AV integrators have um, you know, the ability, well, the ability they have, don't get me wrong. Um, they have the right contacts at uh, corporate offices or campus locations to get a seat at that table. And we've talked about this a hundred times. Yeah. The only way that, you know, AV is going to be able to help in this space is if they get a, a seat at the big boy table as opposed to the kitty table. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, for lack of better better analogy, um, as an industry, we are the best uh, the best choice or the, the ones that are ready to take HVAC, uh, to take uh, security and to take conference rooms and to take an entire integrated building and put it on a communication platform. You know, that we can talk to their devices. We know how to do it. And on top of it, we can make it look good, which is what our, that, that's our strong suit. You know, we can come up with a nice GUI. We can come up with a way to, to present this. Um, right now, you can't go to an, to an HVAC manufacturer and say, you know, do you have a solution that'll handle all this? No, we're the only ones that can go in and talk to their hardware right now and probably do it well, except we got to get past the stigma that we're still pushing around, you know, TVs and VCRs yeah. in a lot of people's minds. Um, and we've had this discussion numerous times. Um, are, what are we doing as an industry to show that, you know, yes, manufacturers such as AMX and Crestron and Extron are out there uh, bringing solutions to the table, you know, but what are, what is, what are we, the foot soldiers, doing to take that to the customers? You know, how, how are we presenting this? Because to them and like the facilities people that I work with, we're still the guys that still can't get, you know, a projector to turn on simultaneously and drop a screen in a lot of people's eyes. You know what I'm saying? And all it took was one hiccup. You know, we, the trust is not there on our part. So we're correcting that. We're approaching the standards. We're doing all the things. We're trying to make it right. But in order for this to really take forward, integrators have to make a, uh, a concise, uh, you know, a push themselves to go in and talk about the bigger program and to find the contacts to sit everybody down at the table and say, this is what we can do. They're not just selling to the IT guy or to the admin for the CEO who needs a, a conference room. The bigger picture always has to be kept in mind. You know, before I was talking about, you know, how difficult it is to, to put remote management on a, on, a, on a network and talking to the IT if That's me just talking to the IT people. Yeah. Imagine me talking to HVAC about, hey, I got this program. You know, that can, <laughs> that can do this, that, and the other thing. You know, next thing, I, yeah, I look like I'm walking around with a, with a trench coat trying to sell products to people. You know, it's, it, it, there's got to be a better way, and there's got to be a, a, a more of like a, I guess an industry effort as opposed to, I think that's, uh, right. that's just my thing. Well, yeah, and, and Richard, we'll, we'll bring this to you then as, as we wrap up here. Uh, Chris makes a good point. I mean, we, we've been talking about getting this stuff on the network, and so, yeah, you're obviously going to, going to talk with the IT department. You start talking about HVAC and lighting and stuff like that, you, you're, in, you're involving operations, facilities, all sorts of people. So, Richard, you have a seat at the table now, as, as, as Chris put it, at the, at the big point, at the, at the adult table. 
Uh, walk me through how you're how you're going to present to all these folks. Hey, look, we are uh, the 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 proper <laughs> industry. We're the guys that will make all of you guys talk together and understand each other. So right, there's always been the desire for the um, the the one ring to rule them all. Um, that's that's a great vision, and I believe that every industry seeks that in one way or the other. And the AV industry is certainly going in that direction as well. And when we talk about cloud computing, um, there's a lot of cloud things going on, but really it's cloud stuff that everyone's using. Uh, there's not so many cloud things happening that are specific to AV. Um, I'm sure there are folks out there that are like uh, us and what we're doing, and we're working crazy around here every day adding automation to the cloud. And so I believe that as we move towards the future, one of the things that hasn't been mentioned in the conversation yet today was what about the eventual uh, move of the software from the control system out to the cloud? And does that make sense? And so what, what we anticipate is that there will be a simple migration initially. And so some of the things that folks like us are doing, and that is, hey, we'll trigger relay, send serial commands, trigger IR commands, and all of that from the cloud. So you you never needed a programmer on site. Not not that you would go without them always, or that you would change from the need to have the automation gear on site. But what if you could go to simple systems today that required no programmer at all? And someone from a cloud application has the ability to simply say, hey, we, when this event happens, I would like to close that relay or open that relay or send this command. That's where the AV side of all the cloud uh, movement will be taking place. And so when we look at what's going to happen to the programmers, what's going to happen to the support guys, programmers won't change. There's always going to be one, the outlier projects that are, are always going to be custom. Yeah. But I believe we'll move in the direction of, in, in, in full circle, as, as the Internet has brought us, we'll move away from coding at the control system to the control system simply being the eyes, ears, and fingers, um, and, the, and the automation being on the cloud. And that scares some people, but there was a time when, when folks said that, well, would you really want to rely on the Internet to get your email? Uh, well, uh, well, you have to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have no choice now. And control system programming will move in that direction as well. At least we hope so, because that's that's a lot of our effort. And what we're doing from the cloud is to enable simple systems to be managed from the cloud. And so systems like Jamie's won't change in anything that they're doing, but um, uh, on on the side of control. Uh, that will move, and uh, and from from Christopher's side, there may be a day not too far out from now where sitting in the office, uh, the customer says, "Well, we really wanted that light to come on instead of off when this event happens," and uh, one of uh, one of Chris's staff goes over to uh, an interface in the office at the support desk and and just changes a configuration. And the control system operation changes right there on the spot. And no one needed to go in the field and no one needed to bring on a, a programmer that was already overloaded and, and living off of caffeine to begin with. So that's that's the changes that I see. And that's the real cloud side of this that we will eventually all be seeing. And it'll affect everyone. 
Well, and I, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more there. That's uh, you know one of the things that one of the approaches that you probably heard us in the marketplace is um, you know looking at the, the the controller that sits in the room as being nothing more than really a gateway, and the controlling the the programming that's actually occurring is the um, you know basically a cloud based configuration of how those gateways interact. So sure, there's some logical processing that occurs inside that quote-unquote gateway, but it's all actively being managed. You know, you know, Tim could open up his cloud portal and he could ch choose to make some quick and easy changes to how his room is automated. Um, and, and effectively, what he's doing is he's changing the behavior of something specific and unique to him. Um, but instead of the processing being stored in the cloud, the cloud is just acting as a configuration portal for someone to be able to go in and make a quick easy change hmm. but I, I think you're I think you're dead on dead on accurate wow. there is there's one other thing though and there to me I'm still keeping my on-site you know uh, uh, support person or tech hat on there's a 900 pound gorilla sitting off in the corner of this conversation which is <laughs> the way that things are handled on site uh, whether it's corporate or campus wise you know what we're talking about is great, being able to change a lighting configuration and do it on the fly. That's awesome. That's that's if there's a direct line to me. You know, the way things are, are, are working is that there is help desk and trouble tickets and remedy and this, that, and the other thing. By the time that gets to me, that could be a little late. And what scares me about, you know, the more on the IT side that we go, and Tim, you support a campus, yeah. you know, you work on site, you know, a trouble ticket uh, system currently, you know, deployed at, at your campus or a company or whatever is not going to give that instant gratification to anybody. And, and that's sort of like the fear as an on-site support person is, all right, somebody gives me, you know, the, the way it's supposed to work. Somebody calls from a conference room, hey, my control panel is locked up. You know, uh, I need help. Well, if that goes through the normal process, that person has to pick up the phone, dial the help desk. The help desk then types up the email, confirms all this stuff. Now 10 minutes have gone by. By the time that ticket goes out, reaches a technician, gets onto a smartphone, that's 15 minutes. You know, in the world of support, you know, IT can resolve an issue. They get a trouble ticket. They have 24 hours to respond, typically, in most situations. In the world of AV, we got about five minutes. <laughs> and, and and that's no lie. I mean, we, we laugh about it, but, you know, five minutes, if you're on a half-hour video call and the picture goes out for five minutes, by the time the technician gets there, it's 15 minutes into the call. You know, that 15 minutes to do a 30-minute call, you're, you're done. You know, it's it's over. You know, kiss a goodbye, reboot, and try to figure out a way to, to do it uh, another time. So my whole fear, I mean, I understand we're all talking about, you know, IT convergence, AV convergence, is that help desk piece to it, that IT mentality of, we'll put in a trouble ticket, we'll send it in, do it all automatically on a computer. We are hands-on as IT people, yeah. not IT people, excuse me, as AV people. people. Yeah, these room systems, these monitoring systems do not replace. Last time I checked, none of these products can change a light bulb, you know, or a, excuse me, a... Uh, projector ball uh, or light bulb for that matter but that is the that's the underlying fear for somebody who's on site is how is this going to address and i think that the systems also have to bring that the 
to, to play. If you're going to do this sort of stuff, you got to find a better way. You know, uh, the existing, the way it's currently done with IT may be all great and all for the average IT person who's been doing it for five, ten years. But if we're going to develop something, and if we're going to put out a product, we got to find a way to circumvent some of that stuff to make it faster and to make it more neat because we are living in an instant gratification society when it comes to technology. If it's not now, you're done. So. Well, well, Chris, I'd even I'd even argue the, and maybe I'm agreeing with you. Maybe I'm maybe I'm coming about it the the other way. But I think the entire conversation of of you know AV systems as a function of you know some kind of cloud delivery vehicle, I think it does nothing but strengthen your role and enhance your role, because I'm looking at it from the you're absolutely 100 percent correct. Nothing matters unless there's somebody there with actually hands-on equipment to actually resolve whatever logistical issues are right there on site. I look at it from this way. If you've got a team of five people, you know, the ability to be able to manage um, code configurations, uh, device configurations, all those things from a cloud, that just, you know, coming, coming from a background of field work, I mean, it's knowing that you don't have to go in and, and wonder if you're working with the right software, if you're working with the right version of a configuration file, you just access the cloud and when you need to make a change to something, you're, you're popping right in. Even though you may be physically in the room resolving a physical issue, that cloud enablement actually keeps you in touch with the most current recent thing that maybe you know one of your other technicians has helped with. So I think, I think it's a great companion. I think it's an enhancement to your role and, and the value you bring. It's definitely a uh, early warning system, if you want to. You know, I, I look at it that way. It's definitely could be used and its proper use right off the bat is as an early warning system. If something's up, something's wrong. You know, mm-hmm. be proactive as opposed to reactive, and that's what everybody strives for when you're doing these on-site support models is to be more proactive so you reduce your reactive response. But you know, uh, I agree. It is definitely a tool in an arsenal that is absolutely necessary. It should be in there with your, you know, spare HDMI and your and your and your uh, crimpers. And it's it's sort of part of your tool bag, and it's it's necessary for everybody to understand that. Um, it's just that how the business is run and how IT currently runs things, they're going to go back to the old warhorse when it comes to well, this is how we've always done it. This is how calls get logged. This is how trouble tickets are generated. That process. Is doesn't exactly jive with what we're we're trying to do, which is more proactive, more more quick uh, 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 action as opposed to the way things are currently done. But I said that's that's just me, the on-site guy who's been through it and has seen a trouble ticket come in, and it's already the, the conference is over when I see it. <laughs> so well, that's this, sort of, yeah. I mean, this potentially, and I mean the bigger point that this brings up is that it is going to require integrators to look very closely at their business model where potentially instead of being you know like uh, like Chris was saying is that you know you he's a specialist you know he's the guy who knows everything about everything you know when when that call comes in he's the top gun that comes in companies may have to change their approach if they're using this proactive, holistic, diagnostic, whatever you want to call it, version of saying, you know, uh, and this ties in directly, Tim, to what we were talking about, but the service contracts and about the layers of response that you need to provide for somebody or somebody chooses from that a la carte menu of here's our 24-hour response, 
Here's our two-hour response. Here's our on-site guy. And by the way, it might not even be known to them from the facility standpoint, but the on-site person is, is not necessarily your top-tier person. So rather than have, trying to hopefully find 10, 15 top-tier guys and deploy them, you know, if you've got multiple sites all over the place, you potentially have your on-site person who is being paid for by the service contract who isn't necessarily the top-tier person who is there for the projector bulb went out, this went out, and they are just there to be facilitators for the top-tier person who's back at the home office, who's monitoring, sitting at the help desk, monitoring 15, 20 systems. I mean, it's, it's almost like this, this, it's almost like air traffic control <laughs> for control systems. You know, it is that you've got a frontline person who is not necessarily your senior person, and then you've got your senior people who aren't necessarily your field people anymore. And, and you know, th th that's an interesting one to consider because it is almost in stark contrast to the way we've been doing it. You know, it, it, it's that, you know, there's, there's only so many bodies to go around. And at that point, and if you look at a lot of times how IT gets deployed, you know, the, the, the process that I'm involved in, normally the first line of defense isn't necessarily the person who's the database architect or somebody who is, you know, the director of IT. It's an associate. An associate comes and goes, oh, yeah, you know, that switch is broke. Pulls it out of their bag, swaps it in. Whoever happens to be at the home office goes ahead and steps them through the configuration or it comes pre-configured. And, and I think that's what some of the others were talking about, which is we are, it, it, by the cloud, I kind of view it as it's not necessarily distributed logic. You know, you're not hosting, you know, 15 AMX and Crestron processors sitting in a rack over in your office. You know, those are still local, but but the the mind share and and the the technical and the programming firepower isn't necessarily an on-site presence anymore. That's something that can be deployed a little bit more effectively and efficiently. And if you can scale it appropriately, you can charge for it appropriately because you're amortizing it over the cost of several projects as opposed to. I think we were talking about that 15% of one-offs. You know, you might still have that one-off project that requires some heavy hitters in the field, but you know, IT has gone the same route. You know, again, this is this is us catching up to how everybody else is doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, guys, just real quick before we before we sign off here, um, Steve, where are we going with this? Where where there, what is the end game? Is the end game something that Richard kind of said? Uncle Richie said. Um, said isn't happening yet, which is virtualized processors. Is that where we're headed, or is it just kind of you know where all of us will be able to integrate um, and see everybody, everything else? Obviously, if we have access to it, you know, we have we have the clearance to see it. Um, where everything is going to be on the cloud? It it's an interesting question, I, and and I think that the 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 cloud and, and this conversation pre presents uh, an eye opener for I think a lot of people and you know of, of course uh, with a biased opinion I, I'd have to say that a, a programmer's role that is traditionally now is going to change but I think it's going to change for the better I think that they're they're that person that does know how everything goes together and how everything works and and the ins and outs and I think that they're almost the uh, poised to be the quarterback and and the one that that can help to solve those problems and and understands all of the communication and has the the network um, savvy and and um, 
knows how all of the devices work. I mean, they're they're not going to be the person who's going to go in and be the hands-on that's going to going to going to fix the problem, but they may be the 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 lead person who's going to be able to diagnose it and manage these systems. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that came up in this conversation is the idea of having uh, fixing or configuring systems kind of on the fly. It it, it presents a, a management issue because you can't have rooms working differently and know how they're supposed to work. So somebody needs to be in charge. I like, I like the analogy. The, uh, for the first time in their lives, programmers will be referred to as quarterbacks. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so we've beaten up on programmers an awful lot. This They're antisocial. They live off Mountain Dew. And they're not exactly very athletic. So. All right, 60 guys. 60 to 80%, Tim. What? Yeah. I'm looking at the cloud. Yeah, there we 60 go. 60 to 80%. 60 to 80%. Okay. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we, we try to keep these for about about an hour, and, and we're, we're pushing right up against that. So uh, with us has been uh, that gentleman right there is Richard Blackwell. He's from uh, Linked2 Software. He's the president and founder. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you. Uh, how can people get a hold of you or get a hold of Linked2? Link to software, L I N K E D, the digit two software.com. Very good. Uh, also with us is Jamie Trader. Jamie is the director of technical resources for AMX. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. And how can people get a hold of you or get a hold of AMX? Um, hit us on the website, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Jamie Trader. Um, you know, also you reach out to us through our, our rejuvenated VIP partner program. We've, uh, We've retooled it to really, you know, extend the role and value of our best programmers out there. So if you hit amx.com and go to uh, our resources, you will, uh, you'll, you'll find information there, and you'll find folks like Steve, and, and we're working with Steve and, and others in our program to really, really uh, bring them into the fold, make them part of our services and product teams, and, and really look at growing their value to be a better part of, uh, you know, the overall campus enterprise communication goals that you have for your network. Very good. And that's at AMX's website, too? The, the VIP. Right. Okay. Uh, also with us is Chris Netto. Chris has 15 jobs, so we'll go down the list here. He works for AV Help Desk. He also has a website called uh, AV Shout, and uh, the blogs are, uh, are are the Red Band bloggers, and he also has a podcast called the Red Band uh, Radio. So thank you, sir. Hey, thank you, man. It was a fun time. And uh, where can where can people find you or AV Help Desk or any You notes? can find AV Help Desk at uh, avhelpdesk.com. You can find me on just about every social media platform, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. But uh, yeah, uh, probably the best way is uh, on Twitter at uh, at Chris Netto, under, well at Chris underscore Netto on Twitter, and uh, I see there quite often. But uh, that's it, man. Thanks, Tim. Right, absolutely, it. thank you. Uh, Uncle Richie, uh, we've been spending way too much time together, but uh, uh, how can people get a hold of you, sir? Uh, let's see, the uh, Twitter, at rfragosa. You can find me at my website at fragosadesign.com. And also, uh, if you want to see me in person, come to Cedia Expo 2013, and uh, you can actually get on the show floor for free if you register Using my code CT2, Charlie Tango 2, where I'll be part of the Cedia Tweep social media team uh, at Cedia again this year, and also part of the CE Pro blog mob. So uh, oh, look good. for me there too on uh, CEPro.com. Yes, and that's in uh, Denver this year, right? That is, yeah, uh, end of September. So good times. Yeah. All right. Uh, last but not least, our fearless leader for this uh, for this podcast, Steve Greenblatt. 
from Control Concepts. How can people get a hold of you or Control Concepts, sir? Uh, you could reach me on the various social media platforms at Steve Greenblatt. I just started playing with Google Plus as just listen after listening Good to for you. podcasts. Yeah, so that's been fun. That makes three and, people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, and we all know each other. And we all know each other. Uh, well, yeah, as long as we're all together, that's all that matters. And, and I will be joining uh, Uncle Richie at Cedia. I look forward to having a good time. Yeah, very good. And, and uh, Control Concepts, uh, the the, uh, the website and everything? Is controlconcepts.net. Thank you. That's uh, that's very helpful, controlconcepts.net. My name is Tim Albright. Uh, go to the website. It's the best uh, best thing I can, I can tell you to do. avnation.tv. avnation.tv. You will find this very program. We have a weekly one called, uh, called AV Week. Uh, a few other... Uh, helpful niche ones uh, for the AV industry that are on the on monthly. We have a, a new uh, AV social coming down, which is our, our social media and marketing show, a uh, live staging and event show, education focused show, just a, a number of different ones. So check it out if you would. AVNation.tv. AVNation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. This has been a state of control. <laughs>